Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where we come and discuss um, typically our Bible studying uh, reading material, um, kind of kind of diving into asking deeper questions, having to spend some time having conversations regarding what we're studying. But today we're actually taking a different direction. Today we want to kind of discuss a topic that seems to be pretty relevant in our culture, in our church, uh, something that I think is um, very important for us to discuss. You know, we all know that uncle or we all have that situation where we get into a conversation and somebody has just this weird, out-of-the-box, conspiracy theory type opinion. And we're like, oh, that's just crazy uncle Billy. And he just has Why that Why does it always idea. have to be the uncle, right? I don't know, right? It's always a crazy uncle. <laughs> everybody has uncle. one. I've been to enough weddings where there's a crazy uncle or there's a crazy aunt. Yeah. I don't know why that's the yeah. case. It is true, yeah. And so, but there's always that uncle or somebody who's like... Oh, you know, um, aliens are actually behind everything, and there's a conspiracy. There's always that, that weird idea, and you're like, okay, he's just a crazy uncle. I mean, the Pentagon is talking about UFOs now, so. <laughs> are they not? Just bring up everything now. <laughs> During this coronavirus, everything's coming up. But I just feel like, what do we do? How do we handle when it's not your crazy uncle, but how do we handle when it's your small group leader, when it's your pastor, <laughs> when it's your good friend, when it's your brother and sister in Christ, when it's your wife even, that has a disagreement with you? Whether it's a political stance, a philosophical stance, a moral stance, whatever it may be, we, we're running into conflict and we're, we're seeing Christians in particular in, the, in America right now coming up with conflicts, kind of are disagreeing with each other. And we're seeing it flushed out on social media. And honestly, if you're like me, you're not, see, you're not liking what you're seeing. You know, you're not liking what you're yeah. reading. You don't like the feel of what's going on right now. It's exhausting. It is. It's exhausting, right? I've heard, I can't tell you how many people I've said, gosh, I'm just so tired of Facebook. It just hurts my heart reading this right now because I'm yeah. just tired. So what do we do? How do we handle conflict? You know, I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, it's easy when it's your crazy Uncle Billy with the weird crazy idea. But it's a lot harder when it's people that you think should think like you. So what do we do? I think that that's the very first question I want us to address today is in this current world we're living in, this, top, this kind of very polarizing world we're living, how do we handle conflict in the body of Christ? Yeah, and I think when it comes to these type of disagreements, we normally have to start off, what do we know is true? And where do we find out where truth is in, in the scripture? So we can look at Philippians 2, where Paul says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in his love, if any common cheering in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy compete complete by being like-minded. Uh, so that that's hard because that's the root of why. Why are we not like-minded? But then he says, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, looking not to your own interests, but each to the interests of others. And then he goes on to say, have the same, in your mind, have the same mindset of Christ. And this is the famous passage where we learn a lot about Christ. And then he ends with that, at the end, every knee shall bow before Christ. So Christ didn't come always having to be understood at every moment all the time. And I think when we enter into these, these situations, we have to start with what do we know is true? And we know that, so for in the present situation, we know that we value human life. That is a scriptural belief that we believe is true. And uh, then what do we agree on? We, we agree on that we value home, human life and, and that that's, what the, that's the point. And then what is it okay to disagree on? Like how we, which type of quarantine to use, which type of method to use, which type of distancing to use, when to come back. Those are things we're gonna disagree on because we value human life. 
not everyone who disagrees with you on this issue on how to how to re-enter into the after the quarantine may they they may disagree on with you on what to do but that may not mean that they don't value human life so i think we have to start with what is true and then what is it okay to disagree on that's that's kind of where i go well so at least a different question that i think i want to ask is shouldn't we agree like you're just saying shouldn't we agree right i mean shouldn't we agree that we like we're christians shouldn't we on most things agree i mean i think i think in some ways yes and in some ways no i mean the, the reality is, as, as we start to flesh out biblical principles, I mean, you know, as Danny, as you're reading Philippians 2, it's, it's like, okay, we should have the, the same mind of Christ. We should be like-minded. Uh, we should share in one mind. And, and it's, you know, maybe, maybe we're inclined to think, okay, of course, like in terms of Christian things, we should be aligned. But then the reality is, what, what is outside of, of just the like, Apostles' like, Creed, the core doctrine. Living, yeah, like, we should agree on the like, Trinity, but, but does that mean we have to agree on which type of government right, right. is best? But even even the way that we we try to flesh out, okay, uh, the Bible speaks into all of life. Yeah, uh, maybe, and, and how that fleshes out is going to look different. Um, there there are going to be certain principles that, that we uphold, as as Dan, as you're talking about, of of okay, we we value life, we value human dignity, we we value. Uh, we want to protect and preserve life. And, and so the way that that is fleshed out can look very different. And especially in, in times where there, there are differing opinions, there's gray area. Um, you know, we want to take into consideration that we all have blind spots. Uh, as, as we're talking about how to, how to deal with conflict, how to deal with maybe, you know, in light of the coronavirus, in light of quarantine, in light of staying at home, um, you know, we also value uh, trying to respect authorities and, and trying to and, and submission. Bibl- uh, the Bible talks about uh, submission and how that flushes out in, in different spheres and in different relationships and different responsibilities and roles. And, um, and so what it looks like to actually put that into practice can, can vary a lot. And so um, as we're thinking about like what, what is the truth, uh, we also we should be we should be looking for the truth, and we should be looking at how other people are. Maybe they're highlighting things that are biblical that uh, we we need to recognize. We also need to uh, be willing to, yeah, ex- ex- to to recognize that we have we have blind spots, and so we we need to be careful in, in being very firm and saying my view is the biblical view. My view is the right view, but there, there, there's going to be nuance and there are going to be things that we need to, to draw out from that. So what I'm hearing from both of you guys is that there's certain foundational things like life is sacred or the gospel or the Apostle Creed that we need to say, okay, this is foundational. As a Christian, we need to believe this, but it's the extrapolation of it. It's the practicality, practical application of how we put it into play that we can disagree on. So, for example, uh, going with our current situation, we can agree on the sanctity of life. And so what that being say is that someone would say, okay, well, that means um, practically how I apply that to equal um, everybody. My grandmother's life is so sacred. Uh, the, the sick and vulnerable are so sacred. that We better lock down everything for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Others might extrapolate that to say, no, because life is sacred. Um, what about the people who are going to die of starvation or, or the economy that's going to ruin people's lives, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so we see two different pathways from the same initial principle point where we do found agreement on. That we do agree that the human life is sacred. And both are legitimate concerns. Right. And both ways are just different viewpoints of how to apply that same core principle. And to be honest, people complain about the length of, say, Leviticus. And that's just, you know, 600 
Leviticus and, and Exodus and Numbers are like 600 laws in Deuteronomy. If the New Testament really gave us everything, all times. I mean, every time the U.S. passes a piece of legislation, it's thousands of pages. You need qualifier on top of qualifier on top of qualifier. There, there'd be no room in our Bible for that. But the, beauty, the beautiful thing about the way Jesus builds his church is that he gives us the core teaching of who we are as, as his children. And he gives us the, the gospel and he gives us the good news and he gives us and each New Testament letter gives us instruction and Jesus himself gives us instruction. And these are the principles that it's based on. But then the gospel can go transcend every culture. If it really was rigid and it was based on, you know, the Palestinian principles 2000 years ago, as it went to each culture, it couldn't transcend those, those cultures. The gospel was immediately translated. The, each, each letter, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, each gospel was translated into a language that Jesus didn't even speak. So initially it was meant to go out to as many people as possible. So the beautiful thing of the gospel is, and the beautiful thing about the, the church, is that it can transcend cultures. The hard part is, is we're going to hash it out. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to hash it out. And the, but that's also a beautiful thing. That's good. Yeah, I think, and I think as, as you're pointing this out, we're, we're doing this and, and we're understanding the law. We're practicing the law in the context of, of community where there is this kind of refining. There is this, this give and take. There is this learning from each other. I mean, if we, if we approach every situation with the, the, the general mentality of I'm generally right, then, then there's not going to be that leeway. You're, you're gonna, there, there's not going to be that room for, for growth when, when we need that. We, th- there are times when we need correction. There are times when we need rebuke. There's, mm-hmm. th- we need that kind of account- accountability, and we get that in the life of the church. So help me out here, because here's me. I'm just going to be honest with you. I like when people agree with me. Yeah. You know, like I like to be told, Lawrence, that's a good point. Lawrence, that was very smart of you. You're right. But that's why I love that. That's what I love to hear. I like that. So help me get to a place where what is it that I need to learn? What do our people need to learn? How do we get to a better communication? What do we need to do in regards to this community fleshing it out together? Well, I think that we need to understand that the church isn't a place where you go just to find all the people who agree with you, mm-hmm. particularly on non-theological issues. Mm-hmm. It's not a place where you go where people have the same personal preferences and the same cultural and and all the way you view the world. But isn't that what it's been, though? It, that's what it's become. And actually, Protestantism has, in its all its beauty, what Luther did and what Calvin and Wesley and these guys did, they also created the ability to, once you disagree, start something new. Mm-hmm. And Baptists, our tradition, are, are probably the you know public enemy number one when it comes to starting something new right. over and over again. You disagree, you just start a new one. And, yeah. and yeah, in Baptist history, it's we're right and everybody else is here. Yeah, so. we're and I think when it comes to the Trinity or when it comes to the divinity of Christ or when it comes to the the resurrection, those things you know you're outside of Christianity if you, if you disagree with those. But when it comes to how you should do baptism or style of music, style of music, mm-hmm. or, or how to know the church if you disagree, right? Yeah, we we have to. So the so my main point is the church was set up. To bring everybody who lives near each other together. It wasn't meant to, well, you, you kind of like this system of government, so you go over here. And we're, we're in a democracy now. No, throughout history, very few people have ever had the chance that we have where you go to the grocery, you have like 500 things you can buy, and, and you, you can pick what kind of government you want. You can choose your officials. Most people were just forced to just deal with whatever got it. Whatever was in place was what they dealt with. So I wish there was 3 Corinthians where it says, like, how to live 
in a democracy where where you could you have a choice like how to vote but it's not there because Paul wasn't dealing with that they had no vote they had no choice so I think I think that's the starting point is that the church is supposed to be God puts different people together mm-hmm. and there's going to be different personality preferences there's going to be different cultural values whether it's ethnic culture or even just kind of like the culture you grew up in whether you grew up in the rural area or the suburban area and God wants all these people to come together and be his body. So I, th- I think that's where we start. Good. So it's, we start off with a place of knowing that people are different, wanting different, not wanting uniformity in that way, right? But wanting almost a, the eclectic collection of people from different backgrounds. Who live in that area. Yeah, yeah, we don't want someone driving 60 miles to come to our church just so we can have somebody different. And if you're in rural Kansas, we're in a small farming community where everybody's from basically have lived there for four generations, it's going to look different mm-hmm. than if you're in, in you know, Durham or if, you, if you're in New York City or something. It, it's going to look different. Okay, so, so a I, desire and, for diversity, non-uniformity. Yeah, and I think just, just kind of piggybacking on that a little bit too, just the, rea- the, the idea that the church can be a very diverse group of people shows shows it shows a picture of of true unity when when mm. when a diverse group of people there's something powerful about the message that they're unified around if if this ragamuffin this ragtag group of people can be i mean you like go like you have all these different people from all these different backgrounds and they're hanging out and they're living like their family you go out in public they're like who are you people and what are you doing together what like what what would what what associate association are you part of or like what connects you and and so being able to to say the gospel like the gospel of Jesus Christ Jesus has saved us and and we we want to surround ourselves we want we flock together because of that we wow. we gather together because of that but then even as you bring a diverse group of people together you you could you could see a lot of strengths in other people and get insecure or you could see a lot of weaknesses in other people and get self-righteous. And I think that you should want to, you should want to encourage and, and, um, and lift up the, the strengths that people have and, and even see like in yourself, maybe you don't have those, maybe you don't share those strengths. And so you, you want to affirm and, and lift up and, and say, look at, look at how this is benefiting our body. Thank, thank you, Lord, for, for this, peop- this person or this group of people who are, who are part of this. And, and then for those weaknesses that you identify you want to be you want to be gentle and loving toward that and and saying okay we like i need to grow you need to grow let's let's do this together as we as we seek to to gently approach that person in in humility and and trying to to build them up in areas where maybe they need to be built up in that's good you know i love the fact that you guys pointed this out and i think this is so powerful is that what shows the power of unity is our diversity yeah, I know that sounds so weird to say it that way, but it's easy to be like, oh, everybody is the same race, culture, background, socioeconomic status, and well, of course they all agree on something. Mm-hmm. But when we all show that people from different race, culture, background, ethnicities, experiences, social demographic, economic status, we all come unified and say, hey, we're all together, even with all our differences, we're all unified under one banner, one name, Jesus. That shows the power of the gospel. Yeah, yeah that's one of the things that one of my, my um, kind of, passion when my heart beats for waypoint church was that we showed such a weak gospel on sunday mornings in the south you know being so segregated that we we're only powerful enough in the church to bring people who are already like-minded culturally similar together 
So, I mean, it's just so wonderful. That I love that point that the diversity shows the power of the unity. And I, I think it brings up an interesting point, too, uh, just even to ask yourself the question, who, who are the people or the voices that are influencing you? Are, do, they, do they all look like you? Are they all the same as you? Or are you allowing people from different backgrounds to, to speak into your life, too, or, or even to have some form of influence to where maybe, maybe it does rub you the wrong way? Yeah. And, and you're trying to figure out – I mean, they're, they're – an example of this is uh, on on Twitter. I've I've been trying to be more intentional about following uh, more minority groups of people uh, in in different Christian spheres. More minority and voices. More my, yeah, my more more my minority voices, and uh, there are times where things are said that that kind of rub me the wrong way, and and I'm trying to figure out okay, well, like what's going on inside of me that that would lead me to react the way that I do, whereas another brother or sister in Christ. Is, is affirming this or encouraging this. And so I, I have to kind of, but then, then seeing somebody else uh, who, you know, I would think would maybe be more inclined to respond in a similar way as me, who responds with, with a gentle, encouraging word. And it, that, that speaks volumes to me. It's, 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 it's a surprising change in the narrative. Whereas maybe, maybe people from different, uh, different backgrounds coming together would, would end up having this tension, they end up being this conflict. Instead, even on Twitter, there like there's this uh, there's this affirmation and love and encouragement that that is so compelling. Yeah, and I love how it starts with what Danny said earlier about Philippians that the mentality, the heartbeat of this is humility, coming in in humility, just saying no, I'm willing to learn, try to hear other voices, um, just to be a, uh, someone who cares about other people because that's what it takes. It takes if you're coming in with the idea of I know everything. I'm right, you're wrong, my experience is more real and relevant, then there's no chance of this. But if you come in humble, you know, placing yourself lower and caring for unity, that's the difference. Now, we keep on talking about unity, like, you know, the power of diversity in this unity. What is this unity? Dan, you mentioned earlier, um, you talked to, we, we talked earlier about the idea of headship in the body. What is, what is that unity that the body is supposed to show? Well. So in the whole world of every organization that's ever existed for all time, the church is the most diverse and unified group that's ever existed. Literally, you can find the poorest Christian in Africa and a wealthy American Christian and their brothers and sisters in Christ. Like there's no there's nothing that separates them. There's nothing that separates them at all. They should be if they went to a church together, they should have equal seating. They even the 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 poor pastor and some poor country is still a pastor over the wealthy guy. You know, it, he, his authority as a pastor, his ordination as a pastor puts him spiritually over the, the billionaire because of the gospel, because of, of the call of Christ. So it's, it's definitely this idea that the church, so we're already unified because we're bringing together all these different people and we look nothing like any other organization. Now we make mistakes and we fail and sometimes mm -hmm. we don't follow through with what Christ established and that's when we're at our worst. But when we're at our best, we are this unified group. So I would say unity is us just, what, is, what are the things that unite us? What unites us is Jesus Christ and his message, his gospel, his good news and the, the biblical authority that he's given us as a church to be one. So I think that's where the unity starts. And then and as far as the headship goes, if you look in Ephesians, Jesus goes to this point and he says that it's, it's a body with many parts, but he's the head. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that. I think we forget that the head is already established. What we're supposed to do 
is already established. We're supposed to build his kingdom. That's right. And I think some people mix building his kingdom with fighting the cultural war, fighting this. Now, fighting for justice and fighting for these things is part of building his kingdom, but he's the head and we're this hodgepodge group of body parts that God puts together as he's the head. So the, the direction's already set. Mm. We're just building his kingdom by being the unique people with our personalities and our cultural differences and all these different things that God has given us, all these experiences, and we, together we build his body, but he's always the head. We know the richest man in the world can never be the head because Jesus is already the head. It's already established, it's done. In the richest man in the world, the most powerful man in the world, in the church might be a toe because that's the way the kingdom was set up is each of us has a part to play in what God's doing and being his body. That's good. Yeah, and I think, I think as we start to show unity among the body that's we're starting to to image more and more what what god is like that he he is the perfect triune unity the the, the perfect and and so in our community as we're doing that we we're we're growing in our submission to who who god is and jesus jesus is our head he's the one who leads us and uh we we give up our uh our objectives and our our priorities for for the sake of prioritizing christ and christ Christ alone in our lives and learning how that fleshes out again in, in these many different spheres. So I'm hearing a lot of talk about, okay, unity is so important, humbling ourselves, listening to other people. But at what point should I engage? Right? At what point should I do I need to engage? Like, hey, this is what's happening in our culture. I need to be a prophetic voice. Well, at what point do I need to say, hey, this stance or this opinion or this thing is so important that I need to speak into it? Um, or should I say, you know what? It hurts my witness to say anything. I don't want to cause division, so I'm not going to engage in any topic. I'm going to back off everything and just kind of like, oh, whatever, everything is fine, not say a word. And I think both all, all those approaches you mentioned might be what God is calling you to do at the moment. Let's say you just want to be a person and you, you're, you feel called. You work 45 hours a week at your job. You're tired. You're, you're teaching you know, kids once a month at church. You're trying to take care of your elderly parents. You have limited capacity. So you're like, my, my main ministry is to love my neighbors. And my neighbors are diverse. I got, you know, Bernie Sanders fans and Donald Trump fans and all these different things. So I'm not going to post. So you may choose for the gospel to not post anything political so that no matter who you're talking to, they're not coming in with, uh, I don't even want to talk to this person. For the sake of, of your witness, you might choose to not engage. If you work for World Relief... And you never send out any posts defending refugees or someone like me who works with international students. If, if there was policies that were hurting international students and I never and I don't speak up for that, those situations, then maybe I'm falling short of what God's called me to do. So you can't do everything, but you can do something. And most of us can only really engage in one or two spheres. So ask God, what's the sphere that you're called to engage in? And if you're going to do it, it you got to be, it's, it's a lot of work. You got to be really, really thoughtful. You got to be ready to take attack. You got to be ready to, 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 to bite your tongue. You got to be ready to really read the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You know, blessed are those when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. So if, so if God's called you to it, then do it. But pray about it and ask God, has he really called you to it? Because once you engage, that's going to be a big part of the ministry that you're called to at that moment. Mm. 
So, so I challenge people just to be cautious on engagement, but don't be afraid of engagement because it might be your calling for that time or for a lifetime. Yeah, that's good. I think trusting the Holy Spirit. You know, I think that that's the problem with most people. Not most people. I think the problem with Christianity now is we want the Bible to be like, okay, tell me whether or not I should engage in social media. Well, the Bible doesn't do that because, it, like you said, there third Corinthians. Yeah, it's Christians. the hidden book that we don't know where yeah. it is. It said something about social media, but that's uh-huh. the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that in the gospel, like you were saying, it transcended all cultures. But we've given, we've been given something. We've been given the Counselor. We've been given the Holy Spirit, who right. we trust, and we, who who brings forth unity. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit will lead us and prompt our hearts and how we need to act and how we need to move and what what uh, crusades to engage in or not to engage in. You know, the Holy Spirit is what brings unity to the body of believers. And so we need to be asking God, God, will you send the Spirit? Will you soften our hearts so that we can listen to the Spirit's call? And with all of it, can we walk in humility? Mm-hmm. You know, I think some of the most beautiful things, the beautiful times that I've seen is when the church gathers together in humility and is willing to listen to each other, to engage each other, to repent, and to be willing to be sharpened by each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, when we see that kind of church moving forward... That's when we'll see the kingdom building like we've never seen it before. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. We do a work in our body. As Waypoint Church in particular, we are a diverse group of people that God's blessed. We've been so blessed by God to have all of us come together. May we walk in humility. May we be patient with each other. May we love well and for the sake of the gospel and unity, follow Jesus to the head. And so we see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this podcast. We love you guys and hope you have a great, great week. Yeah, thanks guys. And if you want to engage, message us privately maybe. Don't, don't message us on the public sphere and, and we'll see. Or talk about it in your Bible studies, in your small groups. Call a friend and, and even who disagrees with you and, and see what God does. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll also share some, uh, some other articles and, and other resources just to, just to encourage you as you're, as you're thinking about this and uh, as you continue to grow in this, to, to, to encourage each other to be winsome and loving and generous uh, in, in your engagement or in, in, whether that's digitally or if that's in your neighborhoods. Thank you. Have a great week.